Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of the Chris Pods and Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris Stevens, and if this is your first time tuning in, the Chris Pods and Things show is a podcast by a writer, myself, Chris Stevens, talking about music, sports, culture, everything under the sun. This week, I am joined by a special guest, fellow author, Nicole Falls, as we break down the WNBA season, the most successful season in the league's history. We had a pretty good conversation, and I think you'll enjoy it, so check it out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the Chris Pods and Things podcast, we have a special guest today. She has self-published, self-published 32 Negro Nose Romance novels, as she likes to call them. She is also a one-stop shop for all sorts of merchandise, T-shirts, mugs, um, anything, anything that you need, she's probably got it. And fake name, real chick, is her tagline, but she's a real person all the same. Nicole Falls, welcome to the Chris Pods and Things show. How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Chris. No problem. And um, wanted to have you on because we've talked back and forth on Twitter most of this WNBA season because we share a common interest in the Las Vegas Aces. But of course, as everyone knows that knows you knows you're from Chicago and you had the pleasure and joy of being courtside for the Chicago Sky bringing home the first ever WNBA championship to the uh, Windy City. So what was the electricity? What was the um, atmosphere like in the building? I know it had to be exciting. It seemed like it was sold out, looked fun to watch on TV. How did you enjoy being there? Yo, so like I have to roll it back a little bit before like playoffs and all that or whatever. So with the sky being here, they've been here since what, 20, oof, I can't remember the year, but nevertheless, they've played in three different arenas. So at one time they were playing in a, you know, a college university arena. They were playing at, um, the Allstate Arena, which is like another like concert venue um, where DePaul also played. And then when DePaul got the Wintrust Arena um, in downtown Chicago, you know, that became the Sky's home base as well. And I'd gone to games in the Wintrust prior to the playoff run. Um, and the one, the one thing that I used to always leave games saying was that I thought that the Sky deserved a better fan base. Um, And that's no shade to like the avid Sky fans because they come and they do what they need to do. But the energy in the arena was just so one note. It was very just like, okay, yeah, we here. Congratulations. Y'all good. We see you. But like, as opposed to like watching, because, you know, of course, I'm watching all the W games. So you're watching a game you know, at the house at Mandalay Bay for the Aces, you know, and Asia Wilson steps up to the free throw line. She's taking two shots, right? What right. is the announcer saying? Asia Wilson shooting two. And then the audience call and response, two shots. Like there's none of that flavor or like just, you know, uniqueness in Wintrust with that, you know, system they had going there. So to see how the city turned up and showed out um, for this team was just amazing. I had never heard the Wintrust get that loud. Like it was rocking in that bad boy. And like one of my closest friends, like I got her more into W um, this season or whatever. And she's like, oh my God, like, thank you for that. Because coming here, watching them, like, this is what I've been missing. And I'm like, yeah, man, more people need to like tune into them and not just when they're on the cusp of, you know, winning it all. Like people should have been here from the beginning, you know, as soon as Candace came home, like the Wintrust should have been packed out for every game regardless. Right. And I felt watching it on TV that just the overall you know, presentation of WNBA has improved so much Granted, we both had a common enemy, common, common, common enemies on the WNBA lead broadcast team for ESPN. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I feel like LaChina would be better in that spot. I feel like Monica McNutt would be better in that spot. But mm-hmm. even they, even even Mr. Rucco and uh, Miss Lobo couldn't downplay the moment. I felt I felt like they let it breathe just enough for everyone to understand that what Candace Parker just did was absolutely phenomenal. And I want to get your thoughts on, you know, 
because of course you're a native, you're a native Chicagoan. Candace Parker's a native Chicagoan. Like this was. Well, hold on. Let me stop you right there for anybody who is listening to this and from Chicago, because they're going to tell you Candace Parker ain't from Chicago. She from Naperville. So I just wanted to go ahead and get that out the way. She's from the suburbs of Chicago, but people feel a way about that because we do have W stars that came up, you know, through the city and are actually from the city. People like Cappy and, you know, Dev Peters and stuff like that. And so um, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of like a point of contention when people say, you know, Kansas is from Chicago and she brought the chip back home. It, it, it's a, it's a thing. So I just want to get ahead of that. Okay. It's that's fair. Okay. So being that you are a true dyed in the wool, you know, Chicago native and, Candace Parker, you know, is kind of sort of from the area. So we'll, we'll say it like that, kind of sort of from the area. Just what does this mean for, I mean, because everyone, I mean, everyone was around when the Bulls were winning championships, when it was Jordan Pippen, Rodman, and so on, so on and so forth. But to see this team, you know, come up the way they have, you you have Kalia Copper, who's a star now. Everyone is aware of Ali Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot's, uh, you know, bond on and off the court. Of course, they're a married couple of people mm-hmm. aren't familiar. And just seeing this team who didn't have didn't have the pedigree coming in, just coming and take it all. Just what does this mean for Chicago from like not just the basketball standpoint, but just for like, you know, anyone from that town who feels kind of disrespected, you know, whenever people like to play that what about game when we get on the subject of civil rights and social issues and all of that. Yeah, it's really just a restoration of greatness, right? You Um, one of my biggest issues with the way that people talk about the city, particularly people who have never been to the city, um, talk about it, um, is that you would think that it's a fucking shootout at the, oh, sorry, it's a freaking shootout at the OK Corral, um, you know, every, you know what I'm saying? Like, the the way that the city is reported is, it's nothing like how experience in the city actually is um and of course bias being from chicago but also just as being someone who is well traveled and well read like mm-hmm. some of these other places that you know we get dished to the side for or you know the way that people talk about chicago um as if it's some lower tier city or anything like that it just like boggles my mind because I'm like uh have you been here like have you experienced the city outside of the 12 or so blocks of the loop like get into the different neighborhoods I was just talking to somebody recently um uh, I was in this cohort and one of the girls she was asking for words to describe Chicago um because she's not from here but she had to create some sort of presentation um, that sort of gets like to the heart of, you know, what Chicago is. And I said, Chicago is a city of grit and grind, right? Um, I think it's a city where people, uh, you know, as much as I hate this phrase, you know, people work to get it out the mud, right? Like nothing is handed to anybody here. Um, and of course you could say that of any city, right? But um, there's just a different sort of like hustle mentality that I think that people who come from here Um, or even people who move here and who have been here for a significant amount of time sort of adopt um, that is that that I don't know I think it it, it makes people stand out like when I meet somebody and I'm not here um, and I later learn that that person has Chicago roots I'm like makes sense like it's one of those things where it's like oh yeah okay I know where you're from and not only do I know where you're from, but I know by the way that you comport yourself, which side of the city you're from at that, you know? So I think that like them winning that championship is really, like I said, a restoration of greatness. Um, you know, of course we can talk about the dynasty and the chokehold that the Bulls had over the MNBA. Um, and I just think that given the right pieces, uh, the same could happen for the sky over the WNBA, so. Yeah. And also, I wanted to say that you don't have to correct yourself. This is a grown folks podcast. <laughs> I, may, I'm, I may not cuss much on Twitter, but I let it fly on this podcast. So if it, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it feels good, do it. So don't don't feel like you have to, you know, censor yourself for me. You know, we we get we get live on this podcast. All right, I, I, I'll be I'll be trying not to cuss so much, but I can't help it. It's hey, a go in me. <laughs> fair enough and um and we've talked about you know the WNBA as a whole you know this is being like you know we've seen it ESPN you know having their best year broadcasting it ever you know 
superstars and even just like the ladies that are not superstars starting to get, you know, sponsorships and different things and deals and all of that. Why do you think now, after 25 years, the WNBA has finally sort of become like a pop culture thing? Because we've always loved the basketball. Like basketball has always been good. I've, I've watched basketball, high school, college, men's, women's, girls, boys for pretty much my entire life. And I've never been a person that said, oh, women's basketball is boring. So, you know, that that dog would, that dog never hunted with me. But the, the WWE has always been good basketball. But now we're starting to see it as like, you know, this pop culture thing where, you know, people have crushes on players or like to see players in different spheres like why do you think now, you know, in this 25th season, WNBA is kind of like taking off the way it has from a pop culture standpoint? Honestly, I think social media comes into play a lot. Um, I think that it cannot be overstated that the people who are the cornerstones of WNBA Twitter have done a lot to grow this game and push its presence into spaces in which it wasn't before. I was actually just, um, before we got on here, I was in a WNBA um, Twitter space or whatever. And um, they were talking about, you know, how in its, in its inception in, you know, the 96, 97 season um, and those few years afterwards where WNBA players were inserted into way more situations, right? Like you think about the whole commercial campaign that they had with Kyla Pratt, um, you know, her as the young Hooper, you know, busting in on you know all of the WNBA players you think about you know Lisa Leslie being on sister sister you think about um Dawn and them being on the episode of Martin like there was a lot more um and I don't know if that had to do with uh leadership um and who was in charge of getting people into the places that they need to be um and maybe Kathy Engelbert is kind of getting you know the W back to that space. Um, but I absolutely think that social media plays such a, a major part in just pushing the needle and getting people talking. And um, I think the league is starting to see that too, um, considering the many ways in which they lift content from, you know, uh -oh. people that they uh -oh. are paying. But um, yeah, I, I just think that social media is playing a, a huge role in it because you get people following W players for like reasons you said before, right? So not just hoop skills, but you know, if there's a viral moment where Taya Cooper is running up and down the court and more than the balls are bouncing, you know what I'm saying? Like that plays into it. Um, and I don't, I, I'm of two minds with that. Um, I'm happy for them and the, 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 the more attention, like, but I don't want it to turn into a, you're only getting attention because we yes. you fine. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like, okay, cool. Like y'all think Taya fine. Y'all think Liz fine. Um, who else? Kaiser, um, shoot why am I like blanking on like fine NBA players I mean WNBA players I guess ton of them or whatever but like get to that a little later on but I, I get the point though but yeah, yeah but on. you know like so I'm like mm, like I I just don't want that to be the sole reason that people are that, that the interest is peaked because the basketball is impeccable yes and that to me leads to an interesting conversation because I did want you I, did, I was hoping to ask that next you know how, especially as a woman, you know, when so many women today want to be taken and deserve, quite frankly, be taken more seriously for what they bring to the table in different spheres as far as like their skills or whatever. Like, just for example, like Megan, Megan Thee Stallion, like we know that, you know, she's black Jessica Rabbit, but she be rapping her ass off too. Right. And I don't think we should overlook the fact that her breath control and her bars put most of these dudes to shame today. But we just get so caught up on just how incredibly breathtaking her presentation is that we forget that she's a rapper first. And I hope that we don't fall into that same trap with the WNBA because while, and, and you know, y'all, y'all quick to get me off of Twitter when I go a little too far down the thirst trap path. So yeah, whenever, whenever Liz posts something, whenever Asia posts something, you know, I'm right there with the uh, amen corner. But at the same time, I also realize that these are women that are, incredibly talented basketball players and deserve a lot of credit for that. So I really hope we don't go down that path, but 
my question is, do you think there's a there's a way we can kind of balance that out? Because we've seen players, you know, really step it not step it up. I mean, they've always been fine on game day, but the rookies have come in, you know, like Dee Richards, DeJanae Carrington and uh, Dana Evans, you know, and Lexi Brown. They really, you know, get it going, you know, with the you know, with the looks on, with the game day fits. And is there a way that we can balance out the fact that these are incredibly attractive women who deserve, you know, like modeling contracts and fashion deals and makeup deals, but at the same time respect their hoop skills? I mean, the, the, the balance is like just respecting the hoop skills, right? So if you're going to talk about them, just don't talk about how fine they are. Like know something about them beyond first glance. Like, I'm just I, I, like Candace, right? Candace is the baby hair goat. Like, <laughs> you know, like she is, right? But I've seen men have conversations about her where they're like, Candace is fine as hell and she can hoop. I want them to continue that through line. Don't just stop at, you know, especially for these younger girls too. And I understand that it's just a lot of people don't watch the league. And part of that is, marketing and placements and when games are on and misogyny and sexism and a whole bunch of different factors right but I just think that you know it's it's not a crime to acknowledge that someone is attractive I mean I am not even going front on you I 100% um talk about how attractive sports ball players are across every sport <laughs> like i objectify these men sometimes you know um no one's perfect right <laughs> however um i'm also not just like focused on it like i'm not gonna be like oh my god fernando tatis is so fine without acknowledging that he's also a really good baseball player as well right so i just think that you can't just, it can't be like a single-minded focus when we're talking about them. And they can't just be brought up in conversations like, oh, you know, who's your WNBA crush? But then you're not talking about the W as far as the actual sport. Like, so I think it's the, 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 I don't, I don't even know if I'm making sense right now, but <laughs> it's just really just not making it one dimensional. I think right. that's, the, that's the that's the key to striking the balance. It's it's not you know putting them into this corner or you know painting you know this picture of who you think they are or who they should be. And I think a lot of that too, um, like the whole desirability and that conversation, um, gets a bit muddled when you talk about um, sexual orientation of women in the league as well. Um, because, you know, men like to think with their, and if, you know, it is, it's brought up that, you know, a woman is, you know, a WNBA player and she is not thinking about you or your thing. Um, some men don't know how to compartmentalize that and just, you know, I'm trying to be careful with my words here. <laughs> But just I, some people, some people are dirtbags, and they don't know how to, um, they don't know how to deal with women if they are not objects of their desire, um, which is just sad because, like, the comments that I see that are made about you know W players who are probably more masculine presenting um, are quite disgusting, um, and just because someone is mass presenting does not make them less of a woman, does not make them less of a, you know, person that we should be talking about when it comes to their prowess. Like we shouldn't just be talking about the femme players because they look good and they can hoop. You know what I mean? Like if we're yeah. going to talk about the league, we need to talk about the league as a whole. Like we need to talk about the hooping regardless. Like that should be primary focus. Yeah, I feel like that probably is something that is on men to figure out, even though we probably should be listening to women a lot more than we already don't. <laughs> so, I mean, we've, we, we, we've had, this, we've had discussions about that on Twitter, just not from a basketball standpoint, but just from like, you know, a common sense, a society, a, okay, Hey, they didn't listen. Now the world is pretty much coming to an end standpoint. So I feel like, 
from my perspective as a man that trying to rein in the thirst while respecting these girls isn't as hard as people make it out to be because I can tell you one of my first WNBA favorites was Teresa Weatherspoon. And I know Teresa Weatherspoon probably ain't thinking about a penis no more than I'm thinking about being a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So, and her, you know, she still has one of the greatest shots and not just WNBA history, but basketball history. I mean, we talk, I mean, we talking about Houston Comets already got the confetti going off. The, the PA announcers making the announcements from half court cash money. Nope. See you tomorrow night for game three. Yep. That's and I really feel like she got disrespected when people were talking about, oh, hey, a woman could be the first coach in the NBA because they were talking about Becky Hammond. Yeah. And of course, there was the brief period where it looked like the Sixers were going to throw the bag at Dawn Staley, but then South Carolina State threw the bag back. So that was the end of that. But I felt like people really missed something when Teaspoon was up for the Pelicans job and this video surfaced of her talking about how her eighth grade coach says she was never going to be any good. But then she took the uh, gold medal back to his house after they won in Seoul yep. in 1988. And people really missed out on that message because, you know, she's she's mass presenting. But I wanted to run through a brick wall for Teaspoon and I ain't played an organized sport in damn near 30 years. So I feel like we really do as men have to do a better job of, you know, compartment, as you said, compartmentalizing and, you know, just being open minded about women in general as human beings, not just as sex objects. Other than if, if we did that, you know, probably would ha stop having dudes trolling under WNBA comments like un under Twitter posts, like not a real sport or all that other bullshit. So right. that being said, um. I want to play. I want to play a, a WNBA game with you really quickly because we talked about this before, and I wanted to get your opinion on the Aces aspect of it because you know we both, you know, even though you're a Sky fan, you also have a rooting interest in the Aces, and that's my that's my WNBA team. I I adopt. I was a Houston Comets fan at first, but I adopted them when they drafted Asia, and then when Liz and Dierica and Dierica was already there when Liz came went along, I was like. Okay, I got my team now. It's, it's set in stone. It's lit. So, do the aces. Fire Bill, and, yes. Oh. <laughs> she already knew what the question was before I even asked it. Do the aces in the Cold Falls, expert, WNBA opinion, need a new coach? Absolutely. They need a new coach. Um, and I feel like it's coming soon. They lost Dan to the dream. Um, so, I hope it's coming soon. Um, I'm interested to see what that front office is going to look like. I mean, Tanisha went to the dream uh, as their new head coach. Dan Pat over there, GM, went to the dream as, you know, um, the new GM there. And they brought in Nikki Fargus, um, you know, midseason um, to Vegas, um, which... I thought was an interesting move and I would like to know if, cause she's team president, right? I'm interested to know if that is a temporary thing. Um, if they will be moving her into a GM role or perhaps a coach role, I wouldn't be mad at either one TBH. Um, I do think that Bill has overstayed his welcome. Um, we appreciate him for all of the things that he does. Um, however, it's time for him to go. I think that um, it's about to get spooky with free agency um, for the Aces because, yeah, a couple people are, you know, restricted free agents, but I don't know. Like, I can, I would go. On, I'm going to go on record as saying is I would be absolutely stunned if Liz is back next year. Yeah, I don't think Liz, I don't think Liz is staying in Vegas. Um, I could definitely see Liz going to LA um, and being perfectly okay with that. Or I could see Liz just not being in a W. And, I, and as much as that hurts to say, it's all of the, the stuff that's been going on um, with the national team stuff. Um, and then the, you know, the scuffle she got into with the Nigerian team, like, I think that 
it I, I don't think it's long for Liz in Vegas, TBH. Um yeah. and I and I think that it's not a one-sided decision. I think that it would be a mutual um decision because she does not appear to be content on that team. Um and it just it doesn't make sense for the team to be successful. And that's not saying that Liz isn't an amazing player because I absolutely think that she brings a certain spark to that team. But sometimes she'd be clogging up the lane when the ball should be run through Asia. Okay. So here's, so here, so here's where I knew that even with all of this talent, we were going to have the same postseason heartache. Asia mentioned, I don't know if I, I probably remember Asia mentioned before the season started that she wanted to take more three pointers. Yep. And Bill said, no, no, we need you to do that. So when that last play against Phoenix was drawn up and Asia goes into the lane because everyone else is confused and don't know what to do. And you've got the great wall of Griner mm-hmm. right there. Like, hello, one of the best centers in the game, long arm Brit right there. Like, we, we, we knew it was headed for disaster. And I get that Liz, you know, probably wasn't 100% because, you know, she had contracted COVID even besides, even, you know, in, st- in spite of being vaccinated and different things, and she was still worn down. Still, you could have overcome that by, one, allowing Asia to be more of a stretch four, and two, probably un- unassing Jisoo Pack from the bench, Jisoo Park from the bench. Because I felt like, I feel like she's a diamond in the rough. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, like she could just be a body on the bench, but I've seen enough of her to say that she probably should be getting more than about five or 10 minutes a game. I probably would have given G more minutes than Kia Stokes. Ooh, I got, I got called out on Twitter for that. And I under, I understand. I understand the way that they u- utilize Kia. But I also want, Kia, when you're snagging some of those rebounds and it's so easy for you to just go back up and make the two, that you go back up and fucking make the layup. Like, yeah. why are you, why are you not, why are you not getting those second chance points? Like, your 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 mindset shouldn't be, oh, I'm going to grab the layup and then immediately throw it back out. Because sometimes those girls were smaller than her. It was lunch. Like, you could have ate, Kia Stokes. You could have ate, but you weren't. Kia Stokes should have been eating on Brianna Turner. Like when you know when the switch happens and BG comes out, mm-hmm. and BT's in there, like eating on her, feasting. You saw you saw you saw it firsthand with the sky because what happened when Stephanie Dolson got into the lineup? Listen, I just I just think that some personnel changes need to happen in <clears throat> Vegas. Um, at the front office level and at the team level, um, I don't I don't know what they will be. I I know what my hopes are, <laughs> and that is that Bill packs his suitcase and heads on into whatever he is currently stationed in life. And I wish him well. Um, but we don't need him. We don't need him coaching the aces no more. It's not, as the kids say, it's not giving what it's supposed to give. Um, and I just think that we are at a time where we need to sort of change the vanguard, man. Like, I can say the same thing for the Indiana Fever and Marianne Stanley. Like, sis has been overstayed her welcome. Ma'am, like, you're 89. Like, <laughs> Sorry, that was ageist, but also like get some you get some fresh talent in there. Like, there's no way, okay, no way in Hades that you have Kelsey and Tiffany Mitchell, Big T, and y'all are losing games the way that you're losing games. Now, granted, Tierra McCallan is very spotty, but that girl is also like seven feet tall, so like. I don't know. You get you a coach that can develop that. I just, I don't know. I, mm, I, I just think that we we need we need an infusion of newness um, in some of these coaching staffs uh, across the league. We also need expansion, but that's another thing that's 
probably years and years off, but some of these coaches got to go. And we got to stop this dual coach GM stuff. Uh, I Publicly, I have to say congratulations to James Wade for leading the Chicago sky to victory, but also never be the GM again, my guy. Like Dana should have been on our team from <laughs> jump. Y'all, what do we have? The number seven pick and we f- f- drafted freaking Shiloh Hill who came here and gave us Maka Rocco's modern life. Like I, she, she gave us nothing. She gave us nothing. Um, and as soon as we could unload her, they did. And then we get Dana and Dana comes in and Dana is, I believe she was the perfect person to come in and learn under Sloot's tutelage because she already had a skill set that could just be enhanced by learning from someone who is as skilled at their position as Courtney Vandersloot is. I'm going to tell you something. I literally jumped off my bed when she hit that, um, hit the clinch, the, uh, the show one come back the other way. I was like, that is cold. I was like, that is cold. Do you understand? Like, I was in Wintrust screaming my head off when she hit those three threes in that like minute. I'm like, go, Dana. That's my rookie. Like, hype. Because, the, first of all, she's a hometown girl. She's from just over the border in Indiana and GI. Like, bring her home and let her flourish. Like, there is no way that we should have had to suffer through the backup point guard that we had prior to them bringing her home. Um, I do have to say, though, that I'm very scared uh, for the Chicago Skies team and what it's going to look like um, in the upcoming season because we only got, like, a few people that are guaranteed to return. And uh, um, James Wade, GM, if you are listening, throw the Birkin at Kalia. I don't care what she actually just let her tell you what she wants you to pay her and y'all be like okay we can make that work like I don't there should be no negotiation there should be no back and forth there should be no entertaining of any other teams secure Kalia yes please and thank you we have can through another year um listen I the the good sis sounds like she's on her way to 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 leaving us period um I'm not gonna speak on things of a personal nature but there's just some irons in the fire that (laughs) leading me to believe that she's she's not here for a long time but she's here for a good time um and you know at the rally you know they were saying let's do it again you know that's cute I mean, of course, we got Vanderquigs. They're staying, you know, they're loyalists. Um, Allie is, you know, um, from here as well. She's from Joliet, uh, which is another suburb of the Chicagoland area. So um, I don't see them going anywhere. But, like, I'm nervous. I'm nervous because Kai can go. Diamond can go. Steph can go. Um, I think Azrae is safe. Um, I think even Ruthie you know, can go, although she was grossly underutilized this season, which I found wild because in the wobble, Ruthie was giving us buckets. Um, and I don't know what happened from then to now, but her and James Wade apparently don't see eye to eye. Who knows? Um, Cause he was not giving her no playing time at all. Um, which is sad because I mean, that kid, she's going to get rebounds. I don't know if she's going to be an offensive threat, but she's going to get you some rebounds. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's, 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 it's spooky for the lineup because I'm just thinking about how um, Atlanta has the potential to woo away Diamond. I wanted to talk about them. Oh, because- come home. We got all this money because we got rid of everybody because bitches is fighting in front of the wings and tenders bus like <laughs> the the fight at the food truck <sighs> the 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 quabble over some chicken that's what i wanted to talk about next because um, the atlanta dream and their their i don't know what i don't know what the woman's title is but we'll just call her figurehead uh figurehead renee montgomery oh she's part owner part owner came under fire from wnba twitter 
for making Kennedy Carter sit home when no one really knows what Kennedy Carter did to get sent home. Yeah. Then the the players that were you know, held up as the face of the franchise was out there, you know, throwing bows, you know, get, get giving out two pieces mm -hmm. and tick truck. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is now that the eight, now that the dream seemed to have a hold on that, that they, they said they're not resigning Courtney. They're not resigning crystal and, and, and crystal really just fumbled her bag following behind court. Understand. Understatement. But, what what, what 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 did our parents used to say? If so and so jump off a bridge, you gonna do it too? Listen, I just and the the wild thing about that whole situation is that the dream organization, like it was months old by the time it resurfaced. So there there are actually three wild things about the situation. First wild thing is that it was months old, and the dream organization knew about it, and they just swept it under the rug. Second wild thing is that Courtney Williams and her instagram influencer wife they brought it back into the public consciousness so they did this to themselves and i'm just thinking like what was the reason like why 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 would you speak on this and put it out there um and then the third wild thing is that the media of the WNBA are acting like it is not a story that they can touch, right? So we only we only want this league to be, you know, highlighted in the best of lights. And I don't know. I feel like if you want to grow and you want to get people involved, there's gonna be mess involved too. Um, should you rely on the mess or lean into the mess? No, but you have to acknowledge it. Um, and it's not like other sports don't have these situations arise where people get into, you know, conflicts off the field or off the court or whatever. But it was very curious to me the way that the dream chose to handle the situation and then walk that back once they were pressured by fans who were just trying to get some answers. I'm old enough to remember that the Dallas Mavericks, who once had the trio of Jason Kidd, Jimmy Jackson, and Jamal Masburn, they were called the Three J's. Mm -hmm. I remember they were next up, and that team broke up over Unbreak My they, they They broke down mm -hmm. over, over one Miss Tony Michelle Braxton, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Um, so my yeah. thing is... And like, even you just have to think about stuff like you've had, you know, players in other sports, like getting into it. Like um, recently, like Manny Machado was yelling at Tatis in like the dugout or whatever at a game about his reaction to, you know, something that happened. Like things happen. People have interpersonal conflict, um, but you can't, I don't know, like you, you can't put a, a bushel over you know the story with Hollywood but then you you only speak on what happened with Court and Crystal and Kaylani and who else was there um after you know basically W Twitter clown y'all like wow okay so this girl has been put in ivory tower and no one has seen her since like game four of the season for some alleged interpersonal conflict within team members but then you have other people who are out here just two-piecing people in front of food trucks like when their girl started the beef but then there's no repercussion there so it's very uneven and i think that do we have to call people to the carpet when when that kind of stuff happens? I mean, do we want this stuff publicized like on a broad scale? Probably not, but the game is the game, man. Yeah, it is. And that brings me to another question because we've talked about everything under the sun as far as like, you know, WNBA marketing, promotions, and then now we have to talk about the sports journalism aspect of it. And it feels like a lot of folks are new to covering the WNBA or at least the ones who should have more of the access don't. Am I wrong on that? I I am confused when it comes to media um, about the W. And I say that because um, 
I'm trying to think of the right way to to articulate this thought. Um, I just wonder the the intentions mm-hmm. of 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 some of the people who who come to 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 light. Um, you know, who are covering the league, um, and it's a weird place to be because sometimes from what it looks like um, personal and professional bounds are sort of muddled. So I think that when it comes to objectivity, um, the media covering the W does not seem to have a lot of that. Um, And I'm thinking specifically about broadcast, right? When you're seeing games called by um, Ruko and Lobo, the the commentary and the you know the banter or whatever is vastly different from when you have Lachina and um oh shoot what's her name uh Monica oh, no 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 oh my god the older white woman I am blanking on her name huh Pam Ward yes we have Lachina and Pam like they're just commentating on the game and the action and, you know, it may veer off into, you know, whatever about particular players, but call, watch a game called by uh, Ryan Rugo and the hall of Famer Rebecca Lobo. Um, and let somebody who is from a team um, you may know as uh, UConn be on the floor um, and watch how suddenly whenever a UConn player does something that is imperfect or is a foul or is dirty, um, the other person who was involved in the situation is always the one at fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of bias, uh, just just leads to a lot of irritation on like the the behalf of fans um because like okay i don't want to listen to a broadcast where you're gonna sit here and you know stroke diana tarasi's bun for 40 minutes like i'm just i'm not interested like and i so i obviously i was in the building for all of the Damn, yeah, all of the Sky's playoff runs. So I didn't see any of those games like on the television. Um, but earlier today when I was in the spaces, they were saying how, you know, when the going got tough and it was the Sky's game, how Lobo was just silent. Radio silent. When like, I told- how, how you on the air silent? Like you still got a job, sis. Like your fellow alum didn't win, okay, but you still got a job. Like you're still supposed to be doing that job. So um stuff like that is just like those biases. I'm just like, hmm, I don't know about some of you media people. I just and, and it's so interesting you bring that up because I remember thinking this as soon as Candace hit the tying three, and I'm not gonna lie, Ruko is kind of annoying, but I love the you bet call. I, I did. It, 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 it was great to hear on TV. Parker for the tie, you bet. And the crowd goes nuts. Rebecca Lobo didn't say another word after that. Mm. She didn't say another word after that. And it was just like, okay, did she um did her, did her mic drop? Did she uh did she have to go to the bathroom? I mean, what's really hood? But I think that something that it, I can't remember whether it was Sabrina Inescu or Paige Buckers. You can probably correct me on this. That uh, who was it that did the SB speech? Uh, Paige. Okay, it was Paige Barnes that she said that we're here because of black women. And I found that to be noble, but it was going to fall on deaf ears. Because as much as we can talk about how great Candace Parker's story was, how Kalia Copper was entrenched on the bench in DC and then works her way up to be, you know, the WNBA's finals most valuable player. We're still talking about Diane Tarazi breaking the damn door. And that to me just doesn't sit right. Yep. Yep. So so my question is, 
where do you think media coverage has to go? I mean, we know where it can end up because, you know, the people who make the decisions don't necessarily look like you and I. Where do you think WNBA coverage has to go for the momentum to keep going the way it's been going so far? I think it has to stop focusing on the great white hopes. Um, this is a league who that was built on black women. Like the very first player drafted to the WNBA is who? Like, <laughs> I, you know, the, the dynasty that ran the W for, you know, the, the beginning of its inception was led by who? Like you don't, have a goat list and the person that is named the goat is somebody who can't play defense if it was as simple as saying your ABCs like I just think that you know the worldwide leader um does us a great disservice with them also being headquartered in uh Connecticut um because the bias is strong there um and hell, even the league in and of itself, you know, the way that they choose to promote players, like, I don't know if you had League Pass, but like, um, I watched a lot of games that were like out of market on League Pass or whatever. And when I tell you that it was so annoying that every commercial break, I had to see that one game that Sabrina Ionescu got a triple double as like the highlight reel every time when she was like, the fourth best player on her team. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that we have to move away from this hunt to crown the one and look at the league as a whole and see how there are so many dynamic players um, doing amazing things on every team. Um, but they, the, the league itself has a problem with, um, recognizing and uh, propping up their greats as a whole. Because, um, like, there's no way in hell that every game I went to that Chance the Rapper was at that I had to get, uh, oh, Chance is on the sideline. You don't want no problem, want no problem with me. Huh, huh. Okay, I get it. Like, Chance, <laughs> hometown boy, congrats. So glad you're here, sir. Um, but also, like, they're freaking WNBA legends in the building and no one is recognizing them. Like every finals game had legit legends at it. Like freaking had I not been scrolling my like Twitter timeline, I wouldn't have known people like Tisha Pinachero were at the game. You know what I'm saying? Cappy was at the game, like so many people. And I'm just like, you wouldn't know this being in the, in the actual stadium. You would have no idea because none of those people are highlighted, um, which I think is a major problem in and of itself. Uh, because what are we doing if you're trying to build this league to to create a legacy and you know to encourage future generations to cherish this game the way that it should be? Like, why are we not honoring those who came before? Like, why are we, why are we, you know, if we're having a friggin' halftime, you know, whatever, like, why can't you take a couple seconds to, and it's not like they don't know these people are in attendance, right? Right. You take a couple minutes, instead of doing a damn flex cam or the YMCA or the wave or whatever, you know, the in game host is like trying to get the crowd to do, like recognize some of these people who built this league you know like give them some shine and some spotlight too um and and create more opportunities where you know it we're not only focused on the here and the now but we're also focused on you know how we got here as well 25 years is a major milestone um and for when they presented you know the w25 we only saw them give that goat trophy and that um onesie to dt like we saw clips of everyone else walking through and getting their jackets but not even all 25 women because why all 25 women were not there why because the w didn't pay for everyone to get there you had to get there on your own hence why my personal goat cheryl swoops was not in the building because her flight got delayed and then canceled and why do i know this because she was tweeting about it so like stuff like that 
is like that's foundational issues within the league that they need to figure out. That's crazy. I was and I God damn, come on, y'all. <laughs> but and and, I, and that has to be frustrating for like you said, the women who built the league to pretty much be there for someone else's coronation. And before 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 we go any further, and just in case this falls into the hands or the ears of WNBA Twitter or any UConn fans, we're not taking anything away from Diana Tarazi. We are not just at all. Saying, we are just saying that there are other people that play WNBA basketball that are not Diana Tarazi. That's it. Yep. And can if I may, before I ask you a couple other things, um, I just want to go on record as saying as I was glad the sky won, number one, because I'm a huge Candace Parker fan. And number two, the Phoenix Mercury, by and large, were the most unlikable team left in the WNBA playoffs. <laughs> and, and, and there's one person in particular that I found to be very unlikable because at one point, she was a darling. And I think you know who I'm talking about. And she just seems rather like she has this extra chip on her shoulder that doesn't need to be there. And I'm not okay, now I know who you're talking about. I was like, wait, who was a darling? Because I thought you were talking about Mizu Barbie at first, but go ahead. <laughs> See, I can't. <laughs> about the, uh, the uh, young lady who is, of course, from the other, from the, what is it? The Notre Dame alum, right? Huh? The Notre Dame alum? Correct, yes. Rock Nation's finest, Skylar Diggins? Yes, ma'am. That's yeah. the one. It, feel, it feels like to me, she's just going out of her way to be really, I don't want to use these words because I'm not a woman and I don't want to offend any women listening, but I think you know which words I'm aiming at. Like, just kind of... See, yeah, see. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the, because a part of me feels like she feels, she still feels like she has something to prove um, because she's, she's always been like on the cusp of being talked of as like a great, right? So like, even when, you know, she was getting all the attention when she was at ND and, you know, had Wayne pulling up to games and stuff like that. Even then it wasn't about her. Like when people spoke about her, it wasn't about her athletic prowess. And then when she made the Olympic team, you know, people were talking trash about her as well. So I think all of that, and this is, could just be me projecting, but I think all of that like stuff and chatter and, you know, having people in your mentions talking mad trash to you um, created the perfect storm of her to decide to be like, you know what, screw it. This is my heel turn. Right? Because ah, it's a wrestling term on this show. Thank you. We got <laughs> Dallas Wings, Skylar Diggins Smith is not Phoenix Mercury, Skylar Diggins Smith. And I think that that chip on her shoulder is just a little, you know, because I'm I'm sure she went to the Mercury expecting to go all the way. And then to get there and it's still not clicking. Like, so, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't know why she got the chip on her shoulder. I mean, You got to show up. You got to show up all the time, right? You have to be consistent. Like th that's the one thing that, you know, um, and, and particularly in this day and age, because memories are short, um, you have to be consistent in the moment um, because you don't have the luxury of having past accolades to sort of rest your laurels on, right? So because she hasn't been consistent in the moment is why the disrespect happens. I don't think that it's warranted or fair, but memories are short. So. I agree. I just felt very. But yeah, she, when she, when she went at uh, Jasmine Thomas that one time, because um, if, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, there's a 
play early in the season where she absolutely cooked D.D. Richards in the half spin. And Jasmine Thomas was like, okay, nice move, but we won the game. And then SDS was all over the mentions telling her STFU and all of that. And it's just like, what was the reason? You know? But what was the reason for Jazz, right? Like, if she want to repost her own highlight because she got off, cool. Jazz, you didn't need to step up and talk mess. Like, everyone saw that y'all won the game since we watched it. Okay, that's fair. I just I just felt like, you know, her just wrecked. But, and, like- and, and Jazz got the energy that she put out. So you got to remember, like people, people respond to the energy that they feel they're getting and Skylar chip on the shoulder, Skylar feeling like she an underdog, Skylar, whatever. Like, I'm pretty sure she was just like, I'm a pop off. I don't give a damn. This girl hopped on my mentions. Wasn't nobody even talking to her. Let's go. Is it right? No. Is it human? Yes. (laughs) That's fair. I just, like I said, I just felt like by and large, that Mercury team was unlikable. I think the most likable person on that team, quite frankly, is BG. Yeah. And everyone, everyone coming, right? And Shay. And Shay. I'll take Shay because Shay is Shay Petty's an amazing story. Yeah. But everyone else on that team is kind of like, eh. Eh. Even the coach, even Sandy Rondello is like, yeah, eh. Yeah. I was I was I was very disappointed to see her checking her watch at the uh she was the only person in the Mercury, of course, that spoke to me after game four. And she was just like checking her watch. Like it was like, you know, it was just like, okay, how much longer do I have to do this shit? It's like, yo. I thought you- that that was the most petulant behavior that they could have ever exhibited. And everyone kept saying, you know, oh, mental health, mental health. What about Naomi Osaka trying to compare? And I'm like, Phoenix thermometer water are the ones that talk the most trash after every game. Brianna Turner don't even be her brow is not even dry from the sweat of playing in the game before she's hopping on Twitter talking. So like, what are, what are we even talking about here? Like they couldn't compose themselves um, and sit up there and answer a few questions or, or, even if they didn't want to answer, they could have did the Marshawn Lynch. I'm only here so I don't get fined. They could have gave one word answers. Like, I just think that it's a cop out for people to say that, you know, they were looking out for their own well-being and yada, yada, yada. Because, baby, after game four, they went out and they were signing autographs and taking pictures with fans. Like, so y'all couldn't have been that crestfallen that you couldn't do media if y'all was out and this one, you know, this wasn't even like a hometown joint. So y'all out flicking it up with fans next to the buses, signing your shoes and giving them to them. So like, come on. I just thought that that was, that was a cop out and I thought it was whack. Um, and that's why I was here for the petty of the sky, bringing that door to the rally. Like, yes, cook these thermometer waters. Let's go. That to me. It goes back to the media thing because we're talking about a league, a guy that um, I follow on Twitter, mutual follow who um, works in a radio in Charlotte. He said, he said to me, if it's one league that can't afford to skip out on media availability, aside from the NHL, it's probably the W. And as, as harsh as that sounds, I feel like that's true. It is. Because this is a league that is still, even though it's had its best year ever, it still has the, a, a point to prove and to prove itself to the general public, which I feel is silly because, again, WNBA top bat, top women's basketball players in the world. It's not like they're slouches; like they would go to any boys and girls club, any YMCA, UNCA, y, YMCA, excuse me, and just cook anybody. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't pick and choose when you want to do something and when you don't want to do something, especially when the stakes are so high, like we needed to know just how much this loss affected them. Like you said, they could have did the Marshawn. They could even did the Rasheed Wallace for crying out loud. Both teams play hard, my man. Could have left it at that. Yep. Left it at that, but no, they got on the bus and just peaced out. And like you said, for a team that talks as much trash, like they literally was just like, you know, crip walking all over um, the house after, after game five. Yep. 
and, and they, I mean, they take an L and all of a sudden there's radio silence. I don't think that's fair. And especially when you're talking about someone who had to prove themselves the way Candace Parker did. Like, we haven't even talked about Candace's uh, true nemesis yet. We may not even have time for that. We may have to talk about that another time. <laughs> we, I mean, we all know who the nemesis is because he probably has had to have his family disable his Twitter account. He still has to check the ring alarm every morning to make sure Matt Barnes ain't pulling up at the front door and all this shit. So, I mean, you know, we 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 know who Candace's nemesis is, but I just feel like it was even though the story was rightly on the sky and all those great players, it just felt like the Mercury going to going radio silent was just like really cheap, really, really, really corny. Yep. So, hard. yeah. So closing this out, I want to again, you know. Leave, leave you let you set the scene for the WNBA in 2022. So, oh, I don't know why you're asking me to do that. I'm a casual. <laughs> well, you well, at least you ain't got to worry about Kevin Durant all up in your mentions, like you know, the other guy, you know, bothering you about that. So, I do want to know what who do you think stands the best chance of winning the title next year? Free agency, coaching changes, none of that. We don't even know how that's going to work out. We don't even know who's coming back from overseas or not in one piece. Um, who do you, if, if, if Nicole Falls could brought forecast the WNBA season for 2022, as far as like top teams, championship contenders, who do you, who do you think stands the best chance of winning the next year? I mean, well, obviously I want to repeat, right. But um, I, I think it's too many, it's too many variables to say. Um, and the reason why I say that is because you got to think about like, teams like Washington that didn't have EDD for the majority of the season. They get back a healthy EDD. That's scary hours, right? Because Tina Charles was eating even when they was losing, she was still eating the games. So um, I, 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 I want the aces to win. If Asia remains on the team. I think Huh? Wouldn't it be something if she went to Atlanta? Oh, no, 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 no. No, thank you. Don't want that. Um, no shades of the dream or you know, the franchise or their fans, but no. Um but but and the reason why I say no is because I think that the Aces is her team. Asia is the franchise player for the Aces, she's the face of that team. I don't care what anybody wants to say or wants to believe. Since that team has got to Las Vegas, that's Asia's team. Um, and I think that she has worked her ass off and diversified her game in a multitude of ways that 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 chip is imminent. Like, she's getting it. She's getting it. Asia's going to come back in 2022 shooting 30-foot shots in this bitch and when she uh, and when bill is gone um it won't even matter because i knew coach would be like yep if you feel confident take that shit um <laughs> uh let's see um yeah i i want the sky to repeat i or the aces i mean right you were going to get that answer from me but also um i do not want to see connecticut prosper so there's that <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know, I don't if they're know gonna... what it is about that team. I just don't like them, and I feel I... so bad because I I enjoy Dejanay Carrington's like basketball, but like I don't know, man. Like watching the watching those games and just seeing how the the attitudes of some of those players, I'm like, mm, no, we don't like Connecticut, like. Mm -mm. They they got in their own way this year because Alyssa Thomas just totally like was like I'm back. It should be about me. Yep. Okay, okay you have the league MVP. Fuck you talking about? Yeah. Play play your role and you would probably have a championship by now. Mm -hmm. But as 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 the as the old saying goes, pride come before the fall. That's for damn sure. So Nicole, I definitely want to thank you for joining me on this WNBA recap show um we probably had to do a writing show again at some point if you, if you guys don't know i was the i'm i had the privilege the honor and the privilege of being the only male writer on falls on love 
which is Nicole's podcast. And that still to me is the highlight, one of the highlights of my fictional writing career. And I had to return the favor and I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk more about the W because that's, that's something that, you know, we both have in common. We both are interested in, but I definitely want to have Nicole back on, on a writing perspective. But before we let you go, tell everybody where they can find your books, your merch, and if they just want to chop it up with you on Twitter or social media. Yeah, so um, you can find all of my books on Amazon. You just search for me, Nicole, spelled the traditional way, uh, Falls, F-A-L-L-S, like waterfalls. Um, if you want to see any of like the merch or, you know, like I have graphic tees and all that stuff available, you can go to the shop by NicoleFalls.com. Um, and then if you want to follow me anywhere on social media, uh, most websites, I am whatever the social media is, underscore Nicole Falls. That is good. Nicole Falls, thank you for joining me today. Greatly appreciate it. All right. No problem, Chris. Thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Chris Pies and Things podcast. Definitely want to thank my guest, Nicole Falls, for coming on. And I want to thank you for listening. If you want to check us out elsewhere other than the Anchor app, you can go to Spotify, search for Chris Pods and Things, and subscribe to us there. Also, just use the Anchor website, anchor.fm forward slash C-H-R-I-S-P-O-D, the letter N-T-H-A-N-G-S. And if you want to talk to me or, you know, give me any feedback on any episodes or suggest anything, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Writes and Things. That's C-J-W-R-I-T-E-S, the letter N-T-H-A-N-G-S. Or you can send an email to me with Chris Stevens Writes, C-H-R-I-S-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-W-R-I-T-E-S at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening to the Chris Pods and Things podcast. Till the next time we speak, y'all be good or be good at it.